Well, hello out there, everybody. This is Winnie the Pooh and Tigger, too. And uh, also some guy named Jim Cummings. You're not going to believe this, but you are listening to the Canned Air Podcast. Good job. Keep it up. Welcome to another episode of Candare, your tribute to comics and pop culture. I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. I'm Jake Runyon. And joining us today to talk about his comic, It Looks Back, Jamie Branham. Thanks so much for being here with us, Jamie. Thanks for having me. We're going to have a good show lined up for you today. I, I say that all the time. But it's true. This is a show today. It's going to be <laughs> a program is in progress. It's a great show we have planned for you today in our retro roundtable. Uh, we just saw that the Lion King trailer had been released. Yeah. Another one of these animated classics that's brought to life. So I thought, why don't we just think of other cartoon movies that we'd love to see brought uh, to life? That'll be, I think that'll be fun. I think so. Uh, then in our comic vault, gentlemen, what do we have to talk about this week? A little web comic called West 7 that clubbed me over the head with its visual style being so totally in line with everything I love. So cool. excited to talk about it. Jack? Mine that is none of what Jake just said, just funny, called They Can Talk. <laughs> Both ends of the spectrum there. Yeah, a few there things we we'll be talking about. <laughs> then we're going to turn our full attention over to Jamie and talk about It Looks Back. But before we do that, Jake. You know, you're listening to us right now on your podcasting app of choice, but there are, in fact, other places you can receive our glorious entertainment. Twitter, for instance, where we are at Pod, uh, same as Facebook, and Instagram, where we are at Canned underscore Air. Other great outlets for jokes, funny pictures, moving images, all sorts of things to brighten your day and hopefully convince you to support us on Patreon, where just a couple of bucks a month will almost totally change our life. And if you hit that $5 a month mark or more, you have access to the Patreon-exclusive Founders Club podcast. And what a fun show that is. Indeed. Another episode being recorded uh, right after this episode. In just a few moments. Yeah, and a few other things uh, to keep your eye out for. One, we have our other show, What If, is live now. You can find us on uh, iTunes and where else, Jack? Almost everywhere else it now, I think. It should be about everywhere, yep. Uh, we can uh, just find us on Twitter at What If Series, I think it is. Yes. What If Series. Uh, yeah, and uh, check out the website, whatifpod.com. Another thing, December 16th on the CW, we have a new show called Discontinued that's going to air its pilot episode. And this is a show done by uh, Brian Volkweiss, the same guy who did uh, The Toys That Made Us on Netflix. Mm -hmm. And this is an extension of that show that's going to be covering discontinued food, toys, customs, and businesses, hosted by uh, Andre Meadows, the Black Nerd. Right on. I didn't realize it was everything. I thought it was shows. I'm sorry? I thought it was just shows. I didn't realize it was... The whole spectrum. Oh, I see. No, yeah, continue. the whole spectrum. Yeah, nice. for sure. So uh, be sure to check that out again December 16th. And here in the next few weeks, we're either going to have Brian or Andre back on the show. I'd imagine it's probably going to be Brian uh, to talk a little bit more about that. So look for that. And then hang around at the end of the episode for the song You Have Mail, the final song from The Boss Fiends, a band out of uh, Melbourne, Australia, that we've been featuring. So again, check them out and stick around at the end of the episode to uh, hear the song You Have Mail. Let's kick it off with this week's Retro Roundtable. Hold on to your butts. All right, guys. Cartoon films that need a live-action remake. Where do we start? 
Were you in films or just cartoons in general? I was thinking movies. You guys remember The Black Cauldron? No. Dirk the Daring? Yeah, yeah. Yes. No, no, no. No, that's Dragon Slayer. Oh, that's right. But yeah. it's close. Yeah. It's not far off. Visually, they're very similar. This was a this was a Disney movie. Boy, it sounds familiar, though. Yeah, this, this was I when I was relatively young. Know it. So you guys were probably out of like that sphere of it's things. King Arthur, wasn't it? No, but it was close. If you let me fucking finish, Merlin. <laughs> Merlin was there, wasn't he? No, goddamn, Jeez. Merlin was not. There was a wizard, but it wasn't Merlin. There was a knight, but it wasn't King Arthur. Melvin. It was called the Black Cauldron, Mervin. and it was terrifying. The uh, the antagonist was this being called the Horned King, which was like a skeletal, black-skinned monstrosity with curving horns and a red and black cloak. And he had this legion of weird zombies, like he, and this cauldron where he could just birth horrors. And you'd see people thrown in and dissolved and, and shamble out as zombies. There was a lot of really intense stuff in this movie that when I saw when I was younger, I was not ready for. But as I've grown older, I've started to appreciate what they did with it more and more. And I'm starting to think the themes explored there, especially if you turned up the darkness just a little bit, could make for a really solid, like, fantasy action movie. Every word you say rings another bell of getting you closer. (laughs) Yeah, like, I'm going to have to look this up. What if I... sounds familiar. Maybe I can bring up some I know of it, but I've never seen it. Well, I'm sorry, Jamie. I was saying, I, I know of the Black Cauldron. I remember seeing art for it, but I've never actually sat down and watched it. Is it done in the kind of animation like the Snow White I, was done in? Is it that like that kind of old animation? Or? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's hand drawn. I think it was. I think it got them in some financial trouble because it didn't do it as well, and it kind of scared them away. Um, I could have no idea what I'm talking about. Though. Wow, this is like a Disney masterpiece. Like this isn't like a clamshell movie. Isn't yeah, it? It, it, it certainly wanted to look that way. Was it? It was Disney? Mm-hmm. It yeah. is. How did this get under my radar? It's... I haven't seen it in a long time, so I can't say for sure if it 85, holds up, 1985, it says on it. What I remember of it was brutal. I, I know I've seen little bits and pieces of it. Well, it very well may happen being a Disney masterpiece collection I mean, film. Yeah. <laughs> they sure love their money. <clears throat> that they do. That they do. Speaking of Disney movies, I think uh, if they're going to keep this trend of adapting... Their old stuff. I think the final boss for them is probably going to be a live-action Fantasia. Oh Ooh, wow, geez. that would That's be a good cool. point. I don't know if they could do that. They did the Sorcerer's Apprentice, and that was horrible. <laughs> well, that was like Nick Cage's passion <laughs> project. <laughs> I mean, they can bring him back for Fantasia. That would be cool, Fantasia. Yeah. I, I would watch that. I watched so I much Fantasia when I was younger. I, I didn't. I didn't. Yeah. Maybe once, twice. Oh, dude. The only thing I know of Fantasia is Mickey and the Brooms. That's really the only. That only part of it. Centaurs and there's some kind of centaurs. Yes. Ballerina, hippopotamus type thing going on. Rhapsody in Blue comes to mind. Satan shows up on a mountain and screams at everybody. Yeah, that's what all I remember. Good stuff. Hmm. Satan what going on there? Disney movie. Well, you know. it'll probably be the only way I ever watched again is if it's made live action. So let's hope that does happen. It probably but will. If I can just like here's the blurb on the front of Black Cauldron here. Mm-hmm. Just a, here's yeah. hidden by darkness, guarded by witches, discovered by a boy, stolen by a king. Whoever owns it will rule the world. Or destroy it. Like, that's just wow. as cool a tagline today <laughs> as it was back then. A Disney movie that dark has to have a penis in the cover art somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I'm mean, serious. You can't tell I'm me. I'm going to be doesn't. scanning this art later on today. <laughs> was I'm like, that I know an original? 
I'm sorry, that? was that an original thing or was that based off of a, a pre-existing You know, that's uh, a good tale. question. Let me access the great repository of knowledge. That I'm going to have access clips on YouTube. And I bet you as I do, it's going to be one of these things that I've completely forgotten about. That It'll I, all come rushing mm, back yeah. to you. I love those moments. I hope that's what happens. While you're looking that up, <clears throat> how about... Fern Gully. I was just thinking that. Right? Yes. It would be so cool to see. We'd have to do it before we lose Tim Curry, because he's what made oh, that movie. Oh, yeah. Incredible. We've already lost Robin Williams. We can't lose Tim them Curry both. In that yeah, one? yeah, okay. He was the villain. We've already lost Robin Williams, and they're yeah. still making Aladdin. That's true. Oh, God. Yeah, you just get Will Smith to it's do the worst. This. I'm not looking forward to Will Smith's genie. I will no. say that. Will Smith the genie now? Yeah. Yeah. Wrap your head huh? around that, if you will, Jamie. But, you know, again, I thought the same thing with Heath Ledger as Joker when they announced that. I was like, come on. <laughs> but don't think it's going to be the same thing. I'm still stoked to see Aladdin. That's one of my all-time favorites uh, that Disney did. I don't think it's their tale originally, but they're telling. No, yeah, it's definitely not. Mm-hmm. And I've got an answer to that question. It says right here, Black Cauldron was loosely based on the first two books of The Chronicles of Predane. I'm probably mispronouncing it, by Lloyd Alexander, who uh, wrote that series in the mid-60s, which I guess was itself loosely based on Welsh mythology. So there you go. Hmm. So kind of uh, recognizing the source material, not sticking to it very, uh, very religiously. But yeah. The more you know. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie, what about you? Heavy metal. Oh, oh my God. that one too, nice. but no way. <laughs> I, oh, my Lord. Yes. How has that not been done? Now oh, I'm thinking about it. Imagine? It would be just uh, an R-rated Guardians of the Galaxy at this point. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. That'd do it. I don't even remember all the... We're, we're lucky that the we've seen South Park do it to an extent, so we yeah. at least have... Oh, yeah. <laughs> now would be the time for that, Dude. because we've come out of the, the movie-making age where people know not to overdo CG work, practical effects, for the most part. It's starting to even out a little <sighs> bit. Can you imagine that that movie was done with some, you know... I've watched the holy hell of it. Yeah. Wow. That would be That'd cool. Be awesome. Next time Kevin Eastman's on the show, we'll put a bug in his ear. Like, hey, man. <laughs> <laughs> Got an idea for you. Jack, what about you? Well, mine's not a movie. Mine were all TV show cartoons that I was thinking of, but Voltron. Ah. Has there not been an animated Voltron movie of any kind? Animated, not live action. I know. Well, but that qualifies then. You're saying you're going to a show instead of a movie, but well, they've yeah. got an animated movie, so. Uh, I don't know if it's. I don't know if there was a movie or not. Hmm. I don't Seems like that's was. the kind of thing that would exist, but maybe not. Do, I know they all go together to be a pretty much a movie because all the all the episodes all turn into of. a whole long series. Yeah. Huh. Do you guys remember in the early days of Cloverfield when people weren't totally sure what was happening or what the monster looked like? There was that. I was promo. thinking about bringing this up. Yeah, <laughs> there was a little promo clip. Actually, would would you like to tell them? I don't want to take the wind out of your sails here. Um, so if I remember correctly, when they showed that first trailer that didn't even have a title on it, um, there's a point during all the chaos where somebody says, I saw it, it's alive, it's huge. And uh, correct me if I'm, I might be telling this wrong, but if I understand it correctly, everyone thought he was saying, I saw it, it's a lion, it's huge. Yeah. <laughs> so and he like, jumped from Ultron. that. <laughs> Oh, wow. <laughs> what a tease. Wow. What a That's tease. That's the mystery box. 
So you really had like legitimate like Voltron fans I, thinking I didn't know about this until afterward, but apparently, yeah, there were groups of people who were like, huh. dude, it's Voltron. It's a lion, it's huge. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's, wow. that's all the evidence they needed. That's incredible. Not like it like it couldn't be a movie about a very large lion. It, it had to be Voltron, you know. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, I'm gonna jump ahead of you here, Jake, then kinda going in the theme of Voltron. We have so many Transformer movies, but what if we took that OG animated movie and shot for shot just brought it to life? Kept that same awesome music, too. I'm just looking for a reason to go out on that music again. Oh, we can't. Nobody nobody involved in any of the current Transformer movies, even close to it. We just keep them in a whole different country while this is being shot. Mm -hmm. Maybe we could have something... Pretty I don't know. These people who are making this Bumblebee movie look like they got their shit together. I hope so. Yeah. Oh, that's the, uh, the new ones have the uh, the Bumblebee movie. They're going back to more accurate designs, right? I haven't seen yeah, much yeah. from it. I really dig that. What They're I'm not selling. trying to be roided up with extra car parts or anything. <laughs> yeah, they yeah. And those like bits from the Cyber toys. Yeah. yeah, they look like the cartoon brought to life. Yeah. So that'll be exciting. High hopes. Well, not high hopes, but hopes. <laughs> I think I think we'll be uh, pleasantly surprised with I Bumblebee. So. I, I sure hope, hope right. so. I'm going to see so, it. Yeah. I am too. All right, Jake, go ahead. All right, now this is not a movie. Uh, <laughs> go ahead. But uh, Street Sharks. Oh, <laughs> wow. The movie would be garbage. Whatever they made, you couldn't make it a good movie. But it'd be kind of fucking awesome, right? Mm, I'm not going to lie. I'd watch it. I'd watch the yeah. hell out of it. Was this, this this entry spawned by a tweet that kept showing up on our thread that had the Street Sharks origin picture? Did you Actually, see that? no, I haven't seen that. <laughs> Every time I get on Twitter, I see this picture somehow, and it's like these four like uh, '80s gnarly dudes like strapped down, like getting these injections put in their arm to turn them into. Said boy, heroin was stronger. Street back Sharks. <laughs> Wonder Reagan was so yeah. on it, you know. But no, I, you can make that film, uh, then follow it up with a biker mice from Mars movie, and then you get yourself a whole Ninja Turtles knockoff. <laughs> Bucky O'Hare movie. Bucky, then you've got like a three-way team up where you've got Ninja Turtles, biker mice, and street sharks. <gasps> Battletoads movie. Oh, oh, oh shit! The game. So far off rail right now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, street sharks. I'm sticking to it. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right, uh, Jamie. We are back to you. Running out of uh, movies, but there's okay. a ton of cartoons I can think of. Um, sure. Whatever. I remember when I was a kid, there was this weird, I think it was maybe six episodes long, but it was called Inhumanoids. Oh, yes. It was like, oh yes. I remember. Okay. I'm always worried that, like, I just imagined it, but, like, it scared the hell out of me. I think everyone's afraid yeah. they've imagined it. No, Jamie, it's so funny you've said that, and I th- I think we've even documented that. This has that come up before on, on the show. On this show before. Like, was that where, a fever dream, or was mm-hmm. there a fucking monster? Because I had Inhumanoid toys when I was a kid, and since I was a kid, you know, being a toy collector, I'm in the toy stores all the time, you know, new and old. You don't see never them see them. Yeah. You don't see them no. anywhere. And it like to the point where I never heard anyone talk about them or seen them that I myself wondered, like, did I just make this shit up in my head? Did I not have this toy? You're not giving yourself enough credit. That's right? the ones where those the, the chest would split open. That's and the that one I had. Cell. Yeah. Yeah, like his rib cage would open yeah. up and then his like the goo like the uh organs like were kinda cushy to scary. push in on. Yeah. You could like trap little people in there inside his rib cage. Oh he rained so much havoc on my other action <laughs> figures it was I need to get him again 
Sorry, I didn't mean to no, stop that shit by all dead means. tracks. <laughs> um, how about this one? This is not a favorite movie of mine. It's a cult. It has a cult following, but not one of my favorites. But if they did a live action treatment, I would definitely be there. The Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, man, that'd be rough to pull off. But it would be very yeah, rough. It would, it would be off. interesting to bring like a new vision into that whole thing. Get Doug Jones in there. Well, yeah. obviously. CG a skeleton head on him. I mean, his body, just put the yeah, tight suit on him. You got it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. You're good. But um, I don't know. I think that world might be a little more intriguing to me. You know, it, I think it would work if they really played up the disparity between the real and the computer-generated elements. Like, make it look utterly ridiculous. Yeah. Really, really. Like, think about... um. Not that these were good movies by any stretch. I, or personally, I didn't care for them. The Alice in Wonderland movies, where they use, like, Helena Bonham Carter. Oh, who could have seen that coming? Or Crispin Glover. Mm-hmm. But, like, they edited their proportions. Mm-hmm. Oh, made them with CG. Yeah, like, yeah. she had a giant head. Crispin Glover had really long, spindly limbs. Mm-hmm. It was a nice merging of those things that wasn't taking you out of it. You were like, ha, that's crazy. I didn't even realize Crispin Glover was in Oh, yeah, he was Alice cool. in Wonderland. Was cool. Son of a gun. Creepy. Eye patch wearing something or other. I forget his title, but he was cool. I didn't realize that was him. I think. I uh, yeah, clowny clown clown. Yeah. <laughs> you know it's no. weird. Look it up, people. Crispin Glover. Yeah. Clowny, clown, people clown. you don't recognize immediately. Crispin Glover. <laughs> you think you'd be able to see him from a mile away? Oh, that's him. That's Crispin. I, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe not. I met Crispin Glover. I know you did. He's a cool guy. I'm sure he is. He is. He's a nice guy. <laughs> Just uh, set him off. Yeah, oh, dude. <laughs> I'll take your shows. word for it. I'm, yeah. uh, I'm not lining up to meet this dude. But nah. Jack, about mask. Oh, I heard that was supposed to happen. Actually, yeah, yeah. it's supposed to be somehow linked with GI Joe, a new GI Joe movie. Which <laughs> those oh, have geez. gone way off. Those need to stop. Yeah. yeah. That's a, that's the one bad part. It was with cartoons, putting them into live action. You got to do it really carefully, mm-hmm. otherwise it's not going to work. I mean, GI Joe seems like it would be easy, but then having this world dominating group called Cobra that decides I, it's, that, that it's. I feel like the superhero movies <clears throat> nowadays have adjusted movie makers you know when superhero movies started coming out you couldn't just take a story straight from a comic and put it on the screen no. well no it has to have the Hollywood treatment he can't look like that this is Hollywood we not we need to make Spider-Man's eyes look thinner he has <laughs> got to look more muscular times have changed what were you expecting yellow spandex <laughs> <laughs> yeah thank you you know a great point and it won't be long before we actually see Wolverine in the yellow spandex mm-hmm. you know what I mean oh, yeah. and the fans will be happy to. And I think movie producers and movie makers are kind of getting the idea now that it's okay to do that. Bumblebee being another great example. Mm-hmm. Okay, they don't have to look like a car perfectly just transformed. Make it look like what we want to see. Though the X-Men in The Dark Phoenix, their suits are starting to look ridiculous because they've got the big yellow X across the chest. <laughs> which fits in the comics, but it doesn't look right that's what uh, I just finished the Astonishing I think that's what they had Astonishing oh, yeah. X-Men yeah damn what a good arc guys I'm in on the, on the bandwagon <laughs> now you gotta watch you gotta read one it. of them now <laughs> this is some government mind this is like MK Ultra redo and 
Hey, good writing's good writing, and Joss Whedon delivers good writing. Come on. <laughs> what, what did we rush to our phones for? What are we looking at? I was just confirming something before I oh. made an ass of myself. I was just making sure I have stuff prepared for later. Oh, I thought you guys were like, like, add more to what you were saying. Okay, uh, who's next? Or are we... We're at 22. Okay, uh, one more here. I'm just going to mention, and this one might kind of seem stupid, but Toy Story. Oh, that's stupid. No, it kind of is because your main characters are plastic anyway. Right. So, you know, they they are kind of perfect for the world they're in. And those movies look perfect the way they, they are. Do. But I don't know. It'd just be weird to it'd be different to see it. I'm, I'm sure there's a way setting. to make it happen. I, uh, stop motion would. animation might be interesting. Oh, yeah. What's that? Stop motion? Yeah, like real people playing the people in stop motion for the toys. Yeah, that would be cool. That would be cool. Yeah, yeah, that would be neat. There's already so many cool. Look at like Paranorman and stuff like that. What they can do with stop motion these days. Give it the like the Lego Movie style stop motion. Yeah, where it's not yeah. actual. They're not trying to be perfect one to one. You know. Yeah. It's, it's kind of selling itself on the crumminess of the stop motion. <laughs> can you imagine trying to stop motion Woody? That'd be oh my god! Mm-hmm. What you definitely nightmare. have to have a wire skeleton. Oh, there's no doubt. <laughs> Otherwise, you're not doing it. Uh-uh. Or you could do it like uh, they did uh, Team um, Team Poli- uh, World Team America. Thank you, Marionette. Just Marionette the whole thing. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> And on that note, we have t-shirts, people. We have Candair t-shirts at society6.com forward slash Pod, or is it backslash? I think I always get that wrong. It's forward. Yeah. Yep. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Okay. It's always forward slash for URLs, right? Live action t-shirts. I heard someone the other day call what I refer to as forward slash backslash, and I was like, oh, God, maybe this is why we don't have t-shirt sales. <laughs> oh, don't worry. There are lots of other reasons. Oh, um, uh, yeah. Quite a long list of them. But uh, until you get your hands on that list, go get a t-shirt. Go get a Do coffee it. mug, a decal, uh, koozies, all kinds of crap with our logo on it at society6.com forward slash candarepod. Go get some orange. All right. With that, let's swing open the door to the comic bolt. Who would like to go first this week? I'll do it. Go. So mine is a joke of the day type comic called They Can Talk. And they're at <laughs> theycantalk.com and on Facebook it's They Can Talk Comic. And basically it's like the what if episode, what if animals could talk. This is all about animals that can talk. Not a lot of color. Artworks. Enough to recognize oh, whatever the animals are. It's like are. some Schindler's List coloring. <laughs> Kinda. <laughs> I'm sure there are less depressing examples. It's all black and time. white except for some red. <laughs> I don't know. Sin City comes to mind. <laughs> Schindler's List. When I see red on black and white, that's okay. come on. All right, I'll, I'll come give on. it to you. But, Jamie, uh, back oh, me it up, makes man. me think of war crimes and terrible yeah. laws. <laughs> First one that comes up, it's got a couple of birds. One's a, a cardinal sitting on a tree branch. And the other bird looks out and says, Nature is just so beautiful. And the cardinal looks at him and says, What, are you hitting on me? <laughs> it's, a, it's dry humor. Here. <laughs> oh, there was another one. They were all here together or better earlier. They were just here five minutes there ago. There was one that was a dog looking at a cat, and he's telling the cat, You know what uh, owners say about cats? A cat's a good pet if it acts like a dog. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I tell, We have a cat downstairs that acts like a dog, and I tell you, it's, it's got a benefit. Yeah. yeah, it definitely does. Here's another one with a, the owner's got the leash out, and the dog's excited, and the dog says, Woo, it's time to go outside. And the cat put, looks up, and he's like, wait, really? The dog looks at him and goes, no, not you. 
you stay inside forever. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Just what? a bunch of little fun stuff in the life of animals with people's words put onto them to make them a nice accompaniment to our what if animals could talk mm-hmm. episode, right? Yep. At whatifpod.com. <laughs> Check it out. <clears throat> Well, two-way commercial there. Perfect. Proud of myself. You should be. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Theycantalk.com is what it's at. Very good. Thank you, Jack. Uh, Jamie, would you like to go next? Well, right now I'm reading, a, it's a book called The Twelve. Um, it's written as XII. Um, it's by my friend Patrick Trahey. It's out from Alternate Comics. So there's a little plug there. Sorry about that. Um, oh, you're fine. But yeah, he, uh, I've been, he's been telling me about his book for a while, and uh, I've been... I never got around to reading it, so I'm now catching up on that. It's kind of a apocalypse story, kind of Walking Dead without zombies. It's about people. Can, it's kind of inspired by the road, I think, which is why I like it. I dig uh, apocalyptic stories like now's that. Now's kind of the time for them too. They're they're becoming more and more popular since it's coming. <laughs> One of my favorite movies that gets dogged on so much: The Postman. You guys ever seen that? Never Kevin seen Costner. It. I heard it was horrible. Said. So. Uh, I can see why people would say that. It's a long movie, but um, I, I mean, I've got uh, rose-colored Not a fan glasses. Of male. Has Tom Petty in it? Shut up! I know. <laughs> Tom Petty being in it is the only thing I remember about it. Yeah, it, it was a good film. I enjoyed it, but again, way too long. But um, anyway, very good. What was that called again? The Twelve. Twelve. Okay. Very good. Jakey, would you like to go next? Yeah, I want to talk about... This is a little comic called West Seven. Now, I haven't delved too deeply into the story of this comic because I've been so in awe of the art style. That's kind of how I stumbled across it, just looking up the type of thing I'm interested in. It, it took me to this uh, a series of portraits of these kind of angelic beings with like classically angelic names, Raphael, Anael, Gabriel... Michael, Sashiel, Cassiel, which are the cast in this comic that seems to have a weird kind of dark, twisted religious vibe, which is just great. Like, that's that's really at the core of everything I'm into. And uh, so I go to the website proper, and it says, West 7, warning, contains gore and mature content. So I'm like, you know what? Bingo. Here's my comic for the week. I really just need to talk about the art style here because it's phenomenal. I'm going to show you guys a picture, and you'll agree that it's... Not too different from the kind of thing I usually bring to the table. Oh, yeah, that's right up your alley. Yeah, but it's it's just, it's beautiful. Yeah. It's got that, you know, obviously black and white, deeply shaded, richly textured, almost that Gustave Doré, Albrecht Durer, woodcut engraving kind of thing that, that fits the thematic material so perfectly that it, it's just incredible. I... Um, from what I've seen, the creator isn't too active on Twitter right now, but on Instagram, you can find him at West7Art, where he's just kind of showcasing the things he's drawn. And there's some... I'm sorry, the things she's drawn. My mistake. Uh, and there's some just really stellar examples of what she's done that I, I highly recommend. Just to see, like, the biblical and, and Kabbalic influences. And, and clearly this is a person who really, really knows her source material for this kind of thing and drew heavily from that to create this this theme. The style is so rich with, with atmosphere. It's it's hard to look away. So I'd highly recommend it. Uh, West 7, the comic, and then West 7 Art on Instagram. Please do check it out. Hmm. Are there any splashes of red in it, like in Schindler's <laughs> List? Well, let's have a look here, Jeremy. 
I'll just Nazi cross-reference rats. West 7 with Nazis and see what we can get. Nope, not seeing it. <clears throat> okay, I couldn't help myself. I'm sorry. Is that 7 spelled out or 7 the number? Uh, 7 spelled out. That's a good question. Sorry, I forgot to mention that. It is West 7 spelled out. And I'm sorry, I think I've said him a number of times. Uh, it is it is a woman by the name of Samantha who runs this whole operation. So credit is due to let me make sure I've got her last name correctly here. Samantha Washington. So yeah. West Seven. Check it out. I want to read you my comic called East Eight. East East. (laughs) (laughs) South Six. You're both done. Okay. You're both done. (laughs) You'll never work in this town again. (laughs) All right. So I am bringing a familiar title back to the table this week. Gentlemen, Tina Fine has sent Candare some uh, not only graphic novels, but of the first, it's a collection of the first four issues, hey. but uh, issue six, which is out now. Oh. And w- first of all, I want to thank her so much. Tina never hesitates when there's new merch to make sure we're some of the first people to have it in our hands. She's and good about that. Very good. And um, she's a patron, too. She's a patron. All the support. And yeah. Uh, Wow, we owe her a lot, don't we? <laughs> we do. Right. And I've, I've actually talked to her about that. We're doing something for her. I'm going to make a oh, commercial uh, for Off-Girl that she can not only play here, but then take to well, other shows. And yeah, I thought that's a cool way to pay yeah. her back, maybe. But anyway, not what we're here for. I just want to say, <laughs> Tina, thank you so much for your generosity. But uh, holding this graphic novel in my hand, Off-Girl, it is freaking gorgeous. I mean, it has the spot glossing mm-hmm. on it. And uh, just take a look at that really quick, if you would, and talk up the quality. I, I know we've we've talked about the style before and the use of color, sort of grayish tone to the skin that, that brings out sort of the, like the hot pink and the dark reds. Stylistically, like from just an artistic standpoint, mm-hmm. it's just gorgeous. And it's so goddamn clean, like the printing, oh, yeah. the blocking, everything about it is just polished to hell and back. It's it's super well done. And it's a, pardon me for saying, but it's hot. It's, yeah. it's a <laughs> sexy story. I, I, I really not, dig it. Well, it's not classless. It's not tasteless. No, it's not like, like yeah, tasteless erotica or anything. Right. No, like, it, not it, even close. Those There's like elements an actual story are front and, and center, but they're utilized in a, in a way that matters, you know? What what having this book in my possession? Let me read the back for people who are in the dark. Really That's like quick. buying a trade of any Marvel or DC book, if not book better quality. quality. Yeah, yeah, it's if not better. Geez. I'm digging this cover way more than I do most. Of, it's almost soft. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, you know what yeah, I mean. <laughs> can I can I borrow? <laughs> no. All right, let me read the back here quick. Julia Davenport knows she has a problem, and she has done her best to harm no one. But one day, her worst fears are realized. Having taken the wrong medicine, she cannot hold back. You see, she hasn't had an orgasm in ten years, and the demon that resides in her is accidentally released while she is on the subway. Five men perish, but one survives. Genius science Ben Topolsky, and she believes he is the key to the cure. Confident there's a scientific answer for everything. Ben agrees to help. But biblical alien curses don't care about science, and demon Lilith cannot be purged without the side effects. So in a nutshell, the power Julia harnesses when she orgasms, this demon comes out and kills anyone who is, any man who has touched that brief little window into reality. And when you hear, I know when I first heard that off-girl's superpower, because, I mean, she on the cover here, she's a superhero. She is... 
you know, got a hood. She has a mask. She has the uh, belt buckle that says OG <laughs> on it. I love that little touch. You think, how do you make this work in a comic for mm-hmm. a pow- uh, as a power for somebody? But this volume one answers that so very well. And I was uh, I was so happy to finish it. It's such a good series. Like like it said, touches on biblical, like alien, like all realms of uh, are kind of touched on. Yeah, the sci-fi, the, the what, ancient. What would I want right. to call it? And you know, I'm I'm a sucker for the dark side of like biblical lore and mm-hmm. stuff. So that hits every note for me. But yeah, you've got the sci-fi elements, supernatural. It's it's got it all. It's got all things that are good. Right. And volume one, Genesis, what I'm talking about here, this wraps up, uh, I believe, I, the Stiletto Killer. Yeah, yeah, it definitely does wrap up the, uh, the <laughs> yeah. Stiletto Killer. And they're already uh, two issues into their next arc, which is uh, really cool. I'm excited to read this issue six. So, again, check it out, offgirl.com, on Twitter at offgirlhero. And you can find the artist Mark Rahill at Mark Rahill on Twitter. <clears throat> With that, let's turn our attention over to Jamie and talk about It Looks Back. Jamie, I want to thank you again for being here with us this week. And I love the description of this book, a mashup of detective noir meets Lovecraftian horror. Jake? I just saw his ears perk up a little bit. You're getting the kind of special smile where there are like four or five teeth that no one gets to see (laughs) except for (laughs) this exact scenario. So tell us about this book, uh, what it's about. Um, Well, the, the story is about a detective, um, Chicago, 1920s, who gets hired to investigate the uh, mysterious death of a reporter. And he basically goes on your typical film noir detective path, but it starts to lead into a a weird, cryptic, eldritch place. Um, So, yeah, I feel like the elevator pitch pretty pretty much nails it. I'm just taking uh, Lovecraftian horror and that, like, really pulpy, almost corny... uh, or uh, detective noir stuff and just mashing together and just kind of playing around in those two genres. Hey, that's a chocolate and peanut butter combination, though. They just work for each other. Right. And I feel like I've even not seen this exact thing before, but I've seen people try to bring in uh, the horror element into the noir before. And one thing I must compliment you on is, you know, typically when you do see that, I don't know, so much I believe in a comic is told through the arts style mm-hmm. on top of what you're reading you know what i mean and mm-hmm. when you bring in that element and you don't change up you know your your typical noir art style i guess if that's even a thing mm-hmm. I, I think it's hard to portray that horror and what you've successfully done is um i think oh, it's so hard to explain you've you've successfully displayed that noir setting but you've also put this like gritty color overlay over the top of it that I think just uh, portrays exactly what you're reading, you it know? It sets the tone in such a way that, that those two elements merge perfectly. Yeah. You know, it, it's not ignoring one aspect in favor of the other. It's the visual style lends itself so well to the material. I really fumbled through that. Did it make sense what I no, was saying? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, it absolutely made sense. Um, I tend to do all my comics like I'm a writer first and an illustrator second. So whenever I write a story, I kind of have an idea of how it's supposed to look in my head. So whenever it comes time to start illustrating it, I kind of have to relearn how to draw from scratch. Um, Not from scratch, it's a little hyperbolic. But uh, I kind of have to relearn my style to make it fit with how I feel like it should look in my head. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, no, perfect. And uh, you've done a great job of that. I just wondered if there's something you had in, uh, intentionally done or if it's something that's just kind of subconsciously happened. I think uh, I know I intentionally wanted to do like a heavier shadow uh, noir style. And I, I guess when I was trying to figure out that that visual aesthetic, how I didn't really anticipate what would happen when the story gets weirder. And by the time I got there, I think I kind of found my flow with it and it just kind of it worked out. Yeah, it was kind of a, a challenge that I wasn't anticipating until I got there. I think I think of uh, the one panel in particular. I think it's the very first one where it just shows the uh, the skyline, and you get a you know you see the shadow top of buildings, and then you see the sky itself. And you know the sky at night would be so easy just to you know paint can black, you know, and put a few <laughs> stars in there. But there's a oh, it's so hard to describe. It's like there's almost like creases and wear, and uh, it's almost that's what I was looking at. I'm trying to figure how would you out describe how to... that? I'm, I don't know how to. I exactly what you were saying it's jake just, how would you describe that let me see there's i like playing with texture a lot if the story calls for it i almost yeah. want to say the sky looks corrupt somehow you know and like you need that for a lovecraftian story because all these horrors are spaceborne mm-hmm. and if the night sky looks like this serene peaceful place you're not doing it right but this you look at it and you feel a little greasy it's almost uncomfortable right. it's it's looking back at you so that really yeah. just sells the eldritch aspect. I felt it. like uh, that Todd McFarlane's like Spawn. Yeah, yeah. Did a really good job of kind of displaying. I feel it's that same kind of concept yeah, where exactly. the environment has to match the tone, and this certainly does. Exactly. So I, I just took the long way of getting to say that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we took the scenic route. <laughs> so, uh, what inspired this project then? Well, I knew I've been drawing silly little comics since I was a kid and even I remember being like 11 and knowing I, I eventually want to do like a real thick narrated detective story I've always wanted to play around the, that genre so that's kind of been in the back of my head for years and uh, before I started it looks back back I uh, had just wrapped up another story called Wayward um, which is not the image comics Wayward and that was a very serious psychological story that I was trying to like get deep with and after I wrapped that up, I knew I just wanted to just play around in genres and not really worry about a bigger, deeper statement. And I've always been a fan of Lovecraft, so I just kind of, I just want to, like, it was more of an exercise in just kind of uh, playing around it with genre uh, as opposed to, like, going out with a specific moral or something. Hey, if you're not trying new things, what's the point? That's the truth. Well, you you have to shoot us a, a PDF copy when you get a chance. I really would love to read this. I tell you, and uh, Andrea Molinari spoke very highly of this book. I think that's how it first came on our radar. Was he mentioned yeah. it during his mm-hmm. uh, comic vault entry? Thank him for that. He's the one that discovered me from Caliber Comics. That's what I was going to ask you next. How'd you end up on Caliber? But uh, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, he's got a good eye, and, and Shepard's nothing to ignore. That's no, no sure, another so. good series too. That's just it with Caliber. You know you're getting something good. Quality. We've had so many people from Caliber on this show, and every time you get sucked right into the books. And, and that's the other thing. It seems like everyone we've brought in from Caliber has been someone who's created a project out of a combination of, like, passion and research. Mm-hmm. You know, everything Andrea's talked about, you know, all of these past experiences and thoughts and processes that went into his character, you know, everything about you wanting to reinvent your style so that it matches the tone of this book— I'm telling you, Caliber, that seems to be the place to be if you're uh, really 
sort of driven by a vision rather than just kind of trying to put drawings on a page. You've seen, and you know, we've been doing this for over five years now, and in our time we've seen, uh, you know, these independ- these small independent comic companies who are just eager to have titles under their repertoire or whatever, that they'll just take on anybody. Yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. so, you, you know, you don't never know what to expect when you're getting comics from them. But like with uh, Caliber, I think Source Point Press is another mm-hmm. good one to reference. Yeah. So you know you're in for some good stuff when you go there. All right, so people can find, uh, it looks back on CaliberComics.com, or is it just Caliber.com? I can never remember. Um, I think it's Caliber. Exactly not so. Yeah. Where else can they find the book? Um, you can go to my personal website, which is TheSimonCorporation.com, all one word. And uh, that should also have links to Caliber and everything, as well as all my other stuff. Okay, awesome, awesome. And uh, it looks like you can be found on Twitter at JSB, what is that, 1420A, is that correct? Yeah. Awesome, and uh, at Caliber Comics as well, they can be found on Twitter as well. Jamie, I want to thank you so much for being here with us again today, and uh, we'll have to get you back in the future, man. Oh, absolutely, thanks for having me. Jack, what do we have on the website? Go to candairpodcast.com where you can see our special guest, buy some merch, become a patron, see some YouTube videos, and send us an email and see if you'd like to be on a show and promote your work. On Twitter and Facebook, we are at candairpod. On Instagram, we are at canned underscore air. So please, by all means, find, follow, retweet, do everything in your power, hit every button except report for abuse, and spread the word. And do not forget, December 16th on The CW, premiere of the pilot for Discontinued, the new show uh, from the creators of The Toys That Made Us. I am so excited for this show. Yes. Oh, yeah. I love The Toys That Made Us. But We've the, seen the like defining breakthrough toys of our yeah. time. I'm ready for the garbage. Yeah. <laughs> I love The Toys That Made Us, but so much work goes into an episode that they're so far and few between, oh, you know. Yeah. So hopefully this is uh, delivering. And hey, quality over quantity. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Excited for that. And again, uh, stick around here at the end of the episode for the last song we're featuring of the Phosphines, You Have Mail. Again, check them out at phosphines.com.au and on Twitter at phosphines underscore AU. And that's P-H-O-S-P-H-E-N-E-S. And I think that about does it for this week's so. episode. Yeah. So until next time, I'm Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. I'm Jake Runyon. I'm Jamie Branham. Thanks so much for listening. Waiting for someone to give you a second chance. We're all waiting for the seventh day. You have failed. And some.
Chops wood for winter. Leaving from thick black smoke. I think I'm about to drown. As the flames continue to make you have mail. You have mail. You have mail. You have mail. see this movie but wait timmy's blind but what am i supposed to do why not try a podcast spirit spirit all the comic and pop culture entertainment you could want in the canned air podcast finally a form of entertainment not fully reliant on visual stimulation now we know and knowing is half the battle gi joe Let me make sure I'm not mispronouncing it. Let me move my legs here while you're looking. Oh, God, why does it have to hurt? Okay, that's what's what's going The Korean War has sadly been known as the Forgotten War, but half a century earlier, the United States was locked in a bloody conflict in Asia that's been all but erased from the history books. Hi, I'm Alex Hasty, the host of Ohio vs. the World, an American history podcast on the Evergreen Podcast Network. In our newest episode, we speak to experts about the Philippine-American War, America's first Asian counterinsurgency conflict. The heroes, the villains. We'll discuss President McKinley, Admiral Dewey, the vicious brutality of the fighting and the scandals and war crimes that nearly sunk Theodore Roosevelt's presidency. Check out our show, Ohio vs. the World, on the Evergreen Podcast Network for our new episode about America's most forgotten war. Now back to the show. <laughs> 